The Productive Woman, Episode 365. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you so much for joining me in this episode. I'm excited to share with you my conversation with leadership speaker, best-selling author, and fighter pilot, Carrie Lorenz, as part of our 2021 Productive Living series. You'll find more information about Carrie, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 365. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever. Because they are focused on managing and growing their businesses, they can't always spend the time they wish they could on recruiting. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to find and hire the best candidates for free. So if you run a small business, as my daughter and son-in-law do, and I watched the the challenges they face in trying to find the right people to work at their business, LinkedIn Jobs may be a great resource for you. And you can get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's network of 740 million professionals. You can fill out targeted screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience, skills, and motivation you need. Then it's easy to filter and prioritize the top candidates you'd like to interview. LinkedIn Jobs will help you hire the right person for your role. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your first job for free at linkedin.com slash tpw. That's linkedin.com slash tpw to post your first job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I am so delighted to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Carrie Lawrence. Carrie is a highly sought after leadership speaker, a business consultant, a military aviation pioneer, and a Wall Street Journal bestselling author who's been featured in notable media outlets such as NPR, Time, CNN, NBC, and CBS. She's also a wife and a mom to four kids, and I have been really looking forward to talking with her about how what span of control means and how it fits into making a life that matters. So welcome, Carrie. Hi, I'm so excited to join you today. Well, it's an honor to have you here. You are uh, unique among my acquaintances in that the backdrop of your most recently released book, which we'll talk about some span of control, is your experience as a U.S. Navy fighter pilot. So I don't know any Navy fighter pilots. I introduced you a little bit, but maybe we could start by you telling us a little bit more about who you are, what you do these days, and and whatever you think is useful for us to know as a backdrop to the conversation we're going to have about leadership, span of control, and being productive. Laura, I'd love to. Thank you. As you shared, I was one of the United States Navy's first female F-14 Tomcat fighter pilots. So, for people who are maybe not as familiar with the aviation, it is the uh, it's the airplane that Tom Cruise flew in Top Gun. 
So as a, as a little cultural point of reference there. But yeah, I was really fortunate. As you can imagine, uh, the cockpit of an F-14 is really one of the most demanding environments, I think, on Earth. And it's really where I learned some of my most unforgettable lessons, not just in flying, but also in life and in leadership. In that time, I was really fortunate to work with what I consider some of the world's most outstanding teammates and uh, also lots of opportunities for coaching and for improvement. Myself as well, I promise you. But for the last 15 years or so, I've worked with Fortune 1 through Fortune 500 companies, helping business leaders, executives, entrepreneurs, even elite athletes build not only their own individual leadership skill sets, but also to grow and develop really high-performing teams. So, and at the same time, uh, as as you alluded to, I am a mom. I have four kids, and I'm a business owner as well. So, similar to probably every one of you listening right now, on any given day, I'm juggling a lot of glass balls, hoping that uh, I don't drop the most important ones. Yeah, and I think any of us can relate to that. As I mentioned. I want to talk with you about some of the things that you cover in your most recent book, which is called Span of Control. That follows on a previous book you had written about leadership. And Span of Control, and I'm oversimplifying here a little bit, specifically talks about navigating stressful times by focusing on your span of control. And so my first question for you is is kind of setting up uh, the conversation we're going to have is what do you mean by span of control and how does it relate to those of us who don't see ourselves as leaders? Mm, Okay, so lots of great questions there. So the the phrase that I use, span of control, is different than the way people normally are using it right now. So don't think of it from an org chart perspective. Span of control is, it's an idea. It's a mantra. It's a framework that essentially is sharing with you that it's determined by the number of things you can and should control at any given time. And understanding that everything else is just a distraction. So not to make that an oversimplification, but the biggest challenge right now and opportunity of the moment is for all of us to learn how we can overcome our circumstances instead of being overwhelmed by them. Mm. So within this idea and within my my book, Span of Control, I share this, this framework as a tool and as a resource for helping you determine the things that you can and should really control at any given time to, to really help you solve the problems raised by chaos or change and uncertainty and to hopefully help you or facilitate in making your commitments, your goals, and even some of those dreams happen. So span of control, again, is not an organizational chart thinking. It's about focusing on three things or like three different pieces of that framework. It's focusing on what matters most, formulating a flight plan, I call it a flight plan, for success, and then communicating what's possible. So those three big tenets of it is what everything flows from. 
Yeah. And I guess I should say up front, a kind of a little spoiler alert, I highly recommend the book Span of Control. I, I read it in preparation for our conversation. And to anyone who's listening, I do recommend it, whether you consider yourself a leader or not, uh, because of the things you talk about in there and what you were just alluding to, that the way forward to be productive in any s- scenario, in any situation, no matter what the circumstances of your life are, this concept of focusing on the things you can control is really, it's life-changing in so many ways. I've thought about it frequently since reading the book that so much is going on in the world around us right now, whether it's, you know, political or health crises or, you know, global situations. And we can spend a whole lot of time, and I will admit I have personally spent a whole lot of time focusing on worrying about, stewing about things that are completely beyond my control. And this concept that you talk about in the book of turning your attention to what you can control in a situation really makes a huge difference. Oh, for sure. And to your point, you know, most of us will, you know, you may never find yourself in the cockpit of a Tomcat, right? (laughs) Or of a fighter jet, or you might not be leading a business or consider yourself, and I put air quotes around this, a leader. But I promise you, you know, we are all living right now in this age of overwhelming chaos. And it's taken a toll on all of us. The uncertainty, the unknowns, we are all experiencing frustration, right? At different levels, stress. And certainly most of you are probably, you know, I would imagine even within the last week have felt that sinking feeling that comes from realizing in the moment that we are facing more demands than we can handle at one time. Uh, most of us in the U.S. now have found ourselves in the last couple of weeks, uh, maybe the last month, heading back to school, back to work, or having partners or significant others that are still trying to balance and juggle uh, working from home or not working from home, childcare, daycare, no care, virtual school, not virtual school. And the number of things, this is task overload, right? Mm-hmm. It's just overwhelm and overload. And this happens when the, the number of things that we're all being asked to pay attention to outpace the information processing capacity of our brains. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, we can, we suffer from overwhelm, we suffer from burnout, and whether that may be Uh, you know, coming from our job end of technical skill or information overload, you know, it's just, it's too much data and our brain's ability to sort and comprehend all that information uh, just starts to shut down. But the good news is if we just take a hot second and understand our goal should be to do everything we can in our capacity to avoid are reaching the point of debilitating task overload, where we're still acknowledging, right, the current and developing threats, if you will, or dangers, that we're still able to function at a high level where we're present. We can still find our passions. We can still serve our families, our friends, our communities at a higher level. You know, we're, we're all getting pulled in a million different directions right now, and the unrelenting stream of information and demands 
uh, is sapping our energy, there's a path forward. And I think that's the really important thing to note. I agree 100%. And on this topic of task overload that you were just talking about, in your book, you talk about that in the context of your particular job, which was landing a a supersonic twin-engine fighter jet on the deck of an aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean in the middle of the night. Most of us are never going to be in that scenario. And so for those of us, and in the book, you do a great job of kind of illustrating this concept of task overload and how you manage to complete this dangerous and stressful task in the face of potential task overload. And you train to deal with that. For those of us who are Mm -hmm. not fighter pilots, what do you suggest for us as ways that we can handle the task overload you were just describing in our everyday lives? Okay, great question. So let's talk about focus first, that first piece of it focus. So I'll bring you into my world for just a second. So landing a high-speed fighter on an aircraft carrier at night is the hardest thing to do in all of aviation, all of aviation across the board. And as I approach the ship uh, in that inky blackness where I can't tell the water from the dark night sky, I might have just loads of adrenaline coursing through my veins. I might feel super sweaty. Some people feel nauseous. Your attention is pulled in a thousand different directions. And in this moment, in that dark as dark, inky black night sky, there are so many things conspiring against me that are outside of my control. Mm -hmm. The gusty winds, the overpowering darkness, the crashing waves, uh, the ship moving away from me. But thanks to that dedicated training and preparation, I know to do two things to prioritize and focus. Mm -hmm. And the way we have netted that down because we want to clarify the complex is we only focus on three things, three critical things in that last, say, 20 seconds. And we call them meatball lineup angle of attack. So the meatball is like, uh, it's that orangey light over on the side of the aircraft carrier deck that essentially tells me my glide slope. Uh, Am I on the optimum glide path? Am I high? Am I low? So it gives me that visual representation of where I am. Line up, uh, you line up on the center line of the landing area of an aircraft carrier. And it's a particularly challenging task because different than landing on a runway, it's canted at seven degrees to the side compared to the ship's center line. Mm. And in order to stay on centerline, the pilot has to be continually correcting uh, to the right. So it's pretty challenging. And then the third thing is angle of attack. And since every aircraft is different, it's critical for the pilot of each aircraft to fly what we call on speed so that you don't move your tail hook up or down. And hopefully you can snag the right arresting wire as the aircraft touches down in the aircraft carrier. So why the focus piece of that matters, it it clearly takes extreme hand-eye coordination, uh, focus shifting ability, and the resolve to hang in there mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. But I know that if I prioritize those three things, meatball lineup, angle of attack, I can increase my chances of landing safely. So at that particular moment in those 15, 20 seconds, those three things are 
what's within my span of control. Mm. Not the wind, not the ocean, not what my commander might have said that morning, not what I'll do tomorrow, uh, not if my airplane's on fire, right? (laughs) None of that. So it's about having that ability to intentionally prioritize uh, and then be able to shift your focus, uh, but you're very intentional about that. Conceptually, when you think about this, even when the circumstances are different, maybe they're more chaotic, more stressful, more uncertain, our responses and our action steps are the same. Mm. We know that from a mindset perspective, we quickly shift into prioritizing what matters most. So how do what what is one of the tricks that I share with the clients I coach or even the high performing athletes? So you know, from executives to Olympic athletes, I tell people, you know, set aside all the different tools and dings and bells and whistles and 18 different step flowcharts. Grab a stack of post-it notes and a Sharpie marker. And at the beginning of every day, before you turn on your phone, before you fire up your laptop, fire up Hulu, whatever the case may be, write down your top three most important things you should focus on for the day. So this isn't a laundry list of from 8 to 10, I do this, 10 to 10.30, I do that, 10.30 to 11.15 is this time. This is just capturing your top three most important things that will move your performance or productivity needle or even your team's performance or productivity needle. And what that allows you to do then is move forward with intentionality. And you can really quickly get down to business of, of, you know, the business of filtering and even reducing and eliminating obstacles to both your success and even your team's success and switch to quickly taking action. So it's part of this, you know, learning to focus on your span of control is a skill that's available to all of us. Learning how to manage task overload and task overwhelm by developing coping mechanisms and techniques and tricks allow you to work through really extraordinarily high task loads while you're under extreme stress, which is what we did. Mm. So it's sharing this tool and, and the understanding that it's, it's a repetitive practice, right? It's relentless preparation. When you're feeling under relentless stress at the same time, It's just being really specific and pinpointing what is in your hands, what is in your control, your scope, your span of control, that you can very quickly then make the best decisions possible. Yeah. I find it extraordinarily helpful. Yeah. I love that idea. And it's just, I I was thinking as you were describing that, here you are, someone coming from a background of dealing with very complex uh, machines, the the aircraft that you were flying, mm-hmm. and the tool you're offering for getting control of things is so low tech. It's just the the post-it note and the marker and the list of three things. I think there's so much value there in sort of winnowing through 
all this stuff coming at you and identifying what, what am I going to focus on today? I can't do everything in the world. I can't control what other people think of me or, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow or anything else. But that's such a concrete tool to kind of get your mind wrapped around. What am I going to do next? Absolutely. I tell people, so something I personally don't leverage very much at all, I don't leverage tools within my phone per se, because what I have found for me and for uh, a lot of the, of the executives, the leaders, the high performers, the entrepreneurs, people who are just trying to maybe make things a little bit easier or a little bit better is that you can't be afraid to have that goal, that objective, those priorities right smack in front of you, right? Print it out, tape it to your wall, put it on your computer, put it on your desk, put it on your dashboard, um, get a tattoo if you need to, right? <laughs> I did. Um, took me decades before I did that, but I have one on the inside of my wrist that's actually my span of control logo just in three letters because it's a reminder to me that when I'm in the depths of overwhelm or grief or chaos, to take a beat, uh, switch my focus, and focus on those things that matter most. Because one of the downfalls or, or consequences to all of us right now bouncing back and forth between Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter feeds, Facebook, LinkedIn, social media in general, are everything pretty much on our phone, I'll say. And I don't think technology is the enemy, so I don't want people to think that. But toggling back and forth nonstop mm. is, is literally squashing our ability to do any deep thinking and to adapt. And it's eating up a ton of our time and brain power. So what do I mean by that? Every time you're toggling back and forth, I don't care if it's between social media apps, between email, between the tasks that you're trying to get done in your home. Maybe it's making lunches, doing laundry, trying to sign permission slips, trying to find contracts, whatever the case may be. It's, it takes us much more time than just the 30 seconds to send a text really quick while we're in the middle of something. It takes us usually about 26 to 30 minutes if we were doing deep work or problem-solving thinking to get back on task. So what happens then when we're switching our focus so often, research has shown us that task switching essentially is causing a drop in our IQ. Mm. Uh, about the equivalent is if you've missed a night's sleep. Mm. And if you're a new parent or you remember being a new parent or a new puppy owner, <laughs> missing all of that sleep changes your ability to function, yeah. right? Function at a high level, even be happy, be content, or make good decisions. So that task overload and task overwhelm and thinking that we can multitask our way to a better situation, it's a myth. It's the quickest way to derail our solid performance. And once we can actually just kind of take a hot second and go, phew, Okay, that hit hard. Then we can understand why we fall prey to it. So then we can take the necessary steps to mitigate it, yeah. right? Yeah. We're, not, we're not stuck there. But if we don't actually understand what is happening and a simple tool to clarify the complex and, and tamp down that noise, 
then it's going to be a much harder path through that. So, yeah. you know, we want to figure out that way, that path to, to eliminate and mitigate what people I think are really suffering from right now, which is a lot of chronic and even really acute stress. Yeah. Whether that's overwork, it's long hours, it's burning the candle at both ends. Maybe it's just not, not enough sleep, but we have to recognize that so that we understand the symptoms because it's going to come for all of us eventually so that we can navigate to a place that's more valuable than essentially where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I really liked about your book, Span of Control, was you told some really interesting stories about a, a life, you know, and a career that I can't even imagine being part of. But you also gave a lot of very practical, very actionable advice and offered tools for staying productive, even during these times of stress and overwhelm. You talk about task shedding in the, in, in the sense of saying no to whatever doesn't help me get the most important things done. And I thought that was great. But something else that you say in the book and this, and you expand, uh, in various places in the book that really caught my attention. Uh, a couple of things. You said the right habits are the only things that separate you from the life you want to live. And you also said, remember that the difference between who you are and who you want to be is what you do. I would love it if you'd talk about that for just a minute. That's fascinating that you that you picked up on that. So one of the things that I discovered uh, about myself, even when my kids were really young, we had just moved to a new town. We didn't know anybody. We didn't have any family in town. And I had four kids under the age of seven. And in a very short period of time, I had my business that I was running. We put our house that we had just moved into down there back on the market when we realized it's, it, it literally sat in a snake nest. This was down south. The market, the whole real estate market was dying. The economy was going uh, pretty much into the ditch. My dad had been in a snowmobile accident where he was critically injured. And at the same time, two of my kids ended up having to have surgery. Mm. All of this was happening at the same time. And I thought... I was handling it. I, you know, I'm a fighter pilot. My husband was a former fighter pilot. And I'm, you know, I come from the Midwest. We're pretty stoic. Uh, we simply show up. We don't do drama. We just do the work. And I was handling it to, to the extent where I wasn't blowing my stack. There were no outbursts. I wasn't yelling at my kids. I was getting all of the necessary stuff done if you were to make a checklist of getting things done, you know, the house was clean, ready for showings, permission slips. I was volunteering for school, you know, feeding my kids, all that good stuff. But what was happening to me on the inside was I wasn't actually just handling it. I was simply keeping it all in and grinding. Mm. And I ended up, as I was going through all of this, trying to navigate my dad's uh, needs, uh, the critical care needs from his accident, my kid's surgery, it all became too much. And I have always thought of myself as being very stress hardy. I work out, I eat well, I stay pretty fit, but it started to affect my health slowly, but, but definitely insidiously. And 
you combine having a newborn and a one and a half year old and two other really young kids and it all just became too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was I started having these really erratic heart racing uh, situations and I had to wear a halter monitor for 30 days, which monitors and sends back to the hospital your heart rate 24 hours a day. And what what they discovered was my heart rate, my heart rhythm would accelerate during certain specific times. And it would spike to almost 170 beats a minute, which mm-hmm. is like, a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty significant workout level. Mm-hmm. But it would happen at nap time, house showings, um, getting my kids into their car seats at the same time, and at bedtime. Which is crazy, right? You're like yeah. those aren't those aren't life threatening, stressful situations. Um, but it was like I was running this marathon and and not really getting any of the workout benefits. So mine at that point in time wasn't just a time management problem. It was a. It ended up being an almost deadly situation where something needed to change. And again, very surprising to me, as you said, here I, you know, I flew this $45 million airplane and you're telling me that putting all of your kids to bed or getting them into car (laughs) seats was stressful for you. And internally, yes, it was (laughs) because I didn't want to be late for anything. I wanted to show up on time for everything. I didn't want to disappoint anybody. And I thought I'm going to be able to handle all this. I can figure it all out. Mm-hmm. And I was multitasking like crazy. And as this points out and alluded to earlier, that task switching it will tax your physical and emotional capacity. So I had to figure out a way once I had that data and it didn't lie, like that is when my heart was was spiking I had to figure out how was I going to get back on track. Mm-hmm. So I was able to take that awareness and turn it into action. So I went back to focusing on the basics. Uh, I put away my checklist of things to do, and I just started writing down what are the most important things I need to do today? What is my plan for success? What am I going to say no to? Mm-hmm. Those things that don't support me getting those most important things done. So even rediscovering that ability to say no in a polite way to those things that aren't going to end up in a successful place for me or for my family, for my kids, that's what I had to do, right? So, you know, I started instead of maybe showing up, you know, several times a week for for trying to help with my kids' class, I would send in stacks of colored construction paper or lots of glue and glitter or teacher supplies. So I had to find out a different way to make it work that was still in service of other people, but that wasn't damaging to my health. That also still let me be a good mom, run a successful business, and get those important things done. Yeah. But it wasn't easy. It took a turn through the the rock tumbler there to kind of wake me up on that for sure. And I think that happens to a lot of us. And it's one of the things I really enjoyed about the book was that you've you've taken that experience you went through and shared those lessons and specific tools that we can use. And you know, we could you and I, I could talk with you all day about this stuff because there's so much uh, good stuff in the book that you talked about. 
I, before we uh, sort of start to wind down, I do want to ask you to talk about this because uh, one thing that's kind of a an overall focus, I think, of the book and something that I really took away uh, and have been thinking about a lot, a passage that I highlighted in the book where you say, when you cut out all the distractions and focus on only the things you can control right now, your perception of your own potential grows. What do you mean by that? A lot of this has to do with our mindset, right? And unfortunately, I don't think we've had a lot of conversation about the weight of mindset training. Mm-hmm. This isn't a bunch of woo-woo stuff, right? I'm I'm not talking about that, but understanding how you respond to stress, understanding how you respond to adversity. Uh, You know what? Adversity, I can promise you, adversity is going to introduce you to yourself. Mm -hmm. But if you've taken the time to understand what some possible scenarios are, even worst case scenarios, how you're going to respond to that if that happens, it gives you a better sense of agency because you've thought about it you've considered it and you've you've given it its due time but now you you are going to intentionally stop obsessing over the bad stuff mm. because it's not useful bad stuff happens and if you can't control it learn from it and move on mm. this is about finding the opportunities this isn't positive psychology, like uh, it's not toxic positive psychology, but it's understanding that the way our brains are wired is to glom on to the negative. I don't even know that glom is a real (laughs) word, but we're just going to say this for the sake of this conversation to hold on to the negative. But so we have to work really, we have to be intentional about tilting toward the good, uh, about calling out the the things we're grateful for right now. And this is about actually practicing uh, positive reappraisal. And what that does then is it allows us to acknowledge it, acknowledge the positive, identify what's working and what's not. Just taking a breath and saying, okay, what's the most useful thing you could do right now? Okay, this is a this is a bad situation, right? We're we're not going to pretend that whatever, wherever you may find yourself right now or, or a circumstance that's a bad situation or maybe an overwhelming situation, just ask yourself, what is the most useful thing you could do right now? Mm-hmm. Then solve what you can and continue moving forward. And when you're able to do that, momentum develops mm-hmm. and healing, the sense of agency, the sense of progress comes from the moving forward. And one thing I am extraordinarily grateful for is that the majority of the research shows that action conquers fear. Mm -hmm. And it's when we get stuck, when we overthink, when we ruminate, when what my pal, uh, Dr. Ethan Cross calls co-ruminating when we find somebody who is just going to get in the ditch with us, <laughs> right? And just, just grind out the negative. That will just feed on itself. Yeah. So the quicker you can acknowledge the, the situation, 
address it. Ask yourself, what's the most useful thing you could do right now? Just what is it? And then do that. That's when you start entering the, the, the better phase, the more productive phase of discovering what's possible for you or for your family or for your team in spite of what seems like a potential worst case scenario. Yeah. I love that. And I I mean, I can think of a particular situation recently where I was going through my day thinking about something bad that had happened in the world. And just, you know, my day was kind of spiraling downward. And I actually thought of your book and I thought, okay, Mm -hmm. I can't do anything about that thing over there. What Mm -hmm. can I do? What is in my control right now? What is something I can do? And and it really did change the trajectory of that day. And so I love what you're saying there, that if if we're in the midst of a day where, you know, metaphorically speaking, our wings are on fire and the, the lightning mm-hmm. is striking and the rain is falling and the the aircraft carrier is moving away from us, there's a whole lot of stuff we can't do anything about, but it changes the trajectory of the day if we stop for a minute and say, okay, but what can I do? Absolutely. Again, this is about, about sharing with, with you the tools that are, are out there or tricks, if you will, or resources that it's possible for you to decide how you're going to frame challenges. And that doesn't mean it's easy. I'm not... I'm not here to try to sprinkle all unicorns and sunshine and hey, look at us, everything's awesome. That, you know, hard things are hard, yeah. but it's a choice we can all make. And if you're here and you're listening, the good news is you've survived your worst days so far, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which means you've got a chance. Yeah. So, you know, if we if we focus on what's under our span of control, if we stop obsessing over the bad stuff if we work toward the good and then just take a second to figure out what's working and what's not then we can figure out what's the most useful thing to do right now right and it, it you may not be able to have the solve to the big problem but there's something you can do right now to take that next step yeah. and it's the action of taking that next step when you you understand what's under your span of control that tamps down some of the stress, some of the anxiety, and some of the fears about what's next. Because again, it goes back to you focusing on what's under your span of control and and grabbing some agency on that and just going for it. Yeah, I love that. So Carrie, a couple of quick things before we wrap up. Our conversation today is part of the 2021 Productive Living series on this podcast. And on the Productive Woman podcast, we talk about productivity as more than just getting stuff done, but in the sense of making a life that matters. And so my question to you is, what does it mean to you personally to make a life that matters? Wow, that's a great question. For I think for me, it is about trying to figure out, am I doing something that's in service of others, right? And I don't mean that in a cheesy way, because a lot of the work that you do that's the day in and day out work is not going to feel like that's answering your great question of of your why, of your purpose. But at the end of the day, if I'm able to help my family and my friends 
and the people I work with harness what is possible for them, then that's what success looks like for me. Uh, And if I can do that with a certain level of comfort uh, and with clarity, again, it doesn't mean that every day is going to be easy or fun. (laughs) We have to work through those challenges. But but I understand and I'm very clear on that that purpose is my anchor. And when you know what your purpose is and you can use that as your anchor, then you're able to focus on those things that matter most. So the sense of purpose is actually the single most important factor in not only your success, but your family's success and your team's success, especially during times of overwhelm. You know, people say, well, but how do I find my purpose? What do I do? And you know what the answer to that is? You just have to go out there and start doing things, try things. I think that the only way you discover what that purpose is or the sense of purpose is also by figuring out the things that you don't like doing (laughs) or that don't fuel you. Yeah. So otherwise it's hard, right? Whether you're leading a business, you're a leader, you're as, as a, as a teammate, as a friend, if, if you don't know what success looks like for you, or you don't know what drives you, it's going to be hard to figure out how you're going to spend your time, right? So one of the easy questions, it's an easy question, but can be challenging to answer, is I would encourage everybody to just write down the question, what does success look like? Because when we're getting pummeled from all different directions, whether that's social media, Instagram, Facebook, your aunties, your uncles, whoever, what they think success should look like. If you don't know what success looks like for you on an individual level, you are going to get pulled in a thousand different directions. Mm-hmm. That's a challenging place to be. I've been there. Um, I've tried to serve a lot of different, how do we want to say the stakeholders, if you will. <laughs> and it does nothing but end up draining you completely. And you don't end up bringing your best self Uh, every day to the task at hand and you tend to not make as good decisions. So just think about what does success look like for you? What are your priorities? What are your values? Even maybe what are your standards? You know, fighter pilots, we're not born with the ability (laughs) to prioritize tasks in really high pressure, high stress environments. We learn those skills necessary to do so. And then we prepare, right? We prepare relentlessly through studying, planning, staying curious, asking questions, getting feedback. And all of us have the capacity to make better decisions uh, when we understand that that's a journey of filling in those knowledge gaps, uh, considering opposing views and figuring out what's working and what's not, right? We just stay curious, we stay engaged, and we relentlessly focus and filter what those priorities should be. And they may change day to day. Your values aren't going to change, but your priorities may change. And that's okay. Yeah. Uh, they should, actually, as you work through different phases. But just if you just remember to, you know, use use that span of control, quick framework, focus on what matters most, right? Identify those top three things to help you remove some distractions. Just formulate a plan for success. 
doesn't have to be super complicated or complex, you know, no sticky tabs and colors necessary. And then figure out how to communicate what's possible, right? To your partners, to your families, to your friends, and just be clear and be consistent about it. And I think you'll be surprised how that tamps down some of the stress and duress when we have a really solid, workable, effective mental model in place to help us make those good decisions when we're scared or overwhelmed or even a little bit afraid. Absolutely. Well, Carrie, where can people connect with you online if they want to learn more about what you're doing, what you've got going on, or if they've got a question, where's the best place for them to find you? Sure. Always uh, com, And I am on social media. I am on you know, Instagram, Facebook, some, uh, LinkedIn, and Twitter. But you can always send me a DM there or ask me a question or share with me what you're thinking. And both of my books, Fearless Leadership and Span of Control, are available on Amazon or at your indie booksellers or even uh, Target has it online. I don't think it's in all the Target stores. And it's a great resource, I think. I'm, I'm super thrilled that you loved it, Laura. And I think everyone who's listening would probably find it beneficial as well. I agree 100%. Well, well, Carrie, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. Oh, it's been a joy. Thank you for having me. I am truly glad to have had the opportunity to talk with Carrie, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. You can check out her website to learn more. And there are lots of things you can do to kind of dig in deeper to some of these span of control concepts that Carrie and I talked about. In fact, you can take her assessment to learn how you respond when the pressure is on and the chaos of life takes over. Uh, You can buy her book and you can check in to maybe booking her as a speaker for your event. I will put links to all of those things in the show notes for this episode so you can check them out. But I do strongly recommend the book, whether you consider yourself a, a leader or not. As Carrie mentioned, you lead in some ways and so much in this book is relevant to the way we live our lives and our desire to make a life that matters. So. What do you think? Do you have any questions, any comments about the things that Carrie and I talked about? You can share those in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 365, or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, I'd love to hear from you. You can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. Don't forget our sponsor this week. If you are in in the role of running a small business and you are responsible for hiring, LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person. You can, as a listener of this podcast, post your first job for free by going to linkedin.com slash tpw. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash tpw to post your first job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And thank you so much to LinkedIn for supporting the Productive Woman podcast. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. I hope you found something worthwhile in listening. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and with Carrie. 
I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.